chapter 6 verse 63 Jesus said the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life a warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church you are in for an uplifting time in God's word enjoy the message I'm glad you're able to join me as we study the word of God in this broadcast. We try to study the Word of God, and we'll be going through the book of Timothy. If you're a Bible student, you would enjoy it. And in fact, I want to encourage you to enjoy the Bible, to see the riches in God's Word. As a Berean Christian, who would hold the Bible to see whether what the preacher is saying is there or not? That is how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we become confident in reading understanding, and applying the Word of God. So today, I'll ask you to turn your Bible with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll take it a few verses at a time as I make the points today. So after the prayer, I'll come back to you. I hope you call a friend, call a neighbor, take your notebook, and let's get ready to study the Word of God. Today we'll be talking about understanding the local church as God's variety of gifts. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Master, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in your house, to be in front of your word, to read your word and expound it, that to enrich us, encourage us, and help us to know how to live in your word and in your world. You place the church in this world to be the light and salt of the world. But the church is such a dynamic body that sometimes we don't understand it as people or leaders. But today I know you help me to expound your word that we'll understand, apply it, and benefit from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some time ago, a friend of mine told the story of a group that went to visit Jerusalem. They had always believed that Jerusalem was in heaven. You know, when we are going to Sunday school, they tell us about Jerusalem. We think it is in heaven. So this man went there, and he just relaxed. And lo and behold, the next thing his colleagues heard from him was screaming. Oh, they've picked my pocket. They've picked my pocket. Pickpockets have picked me. He could not believe it, that his pocket was picked in Jerusalem. When he went back to his hotel, he was shouting, telling everybody. He said, What? Welcome to Jerusalem. It is also part of this real world. Today I'll say, welcome to church. It is part of this real world. There are many people who like church and who feel called to work in the church as pastors, evangelists, as apostles, as teachers. Whatever title, whatever position you call yourself. You see, the Bible is clear in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that God put together these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What work of ministry? Paul has sent his son, Timothy, to pastor the church in Ephesus. And a young man was beginning to feel <laughs> inadequate, confused and perplexed. And so the letters that were written were written to coach him how to understand the church. It is believed that this particular 2 Timothy 
is perhaps the last, the last of the epistles Paul wrote. And then he was called home. So it is rich, full of instructions to the church and to Timothy. And to find out that these things have been written 2,000 years ago shows that there's nothing new under the sun. It also shows that the church is truly an instrument of God. And we who are called either to lead the church, to serve in the church, or as members of the church, it is good that we understand the church. So for those in leadership position, the things that God wants us to learn from this passage today is that the church must be understood as God meant it to be. It's a place of complexity, and yet it's a place of variety. It's complex, it has variety, and if God has called you to lead it, understand the complexity. Don't be like that man who thought Jerusalem was in heaven. The church is on earth, and you must face the complexity and the variety. But those of us who are members of the church, men and women, children growing in the church, we must also understand the church, understand what our rules are, understand the variety of gifts, understand the picture of the church, as well as the wisdom of God in putting the church together. So God put this church together. Christ died for it. Christ established the church. And he said, I will build it, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is only he who could have built it. In this second chapter of Timothy, second book of Timothy, second Timothy 2, we see about eight pictures, eight different pictures that you can see in this text to describe what the church of God is. What is the church of God? If I have any title, I say, what is the church of God? You see, you have ways of describing it. And I'll give you the eight. We'll be able to take the first four this week, and God willing, take the next four next week. God wants us to understand the church. That one, it is God's bank or treasury. It is also God's family. The church, thirdly, can be described as God's army or armed forces. Then, it is God's team. You promise me if I give you the next four, you come and join me next week. All right, I'll just give you the, the next four. Number five, it is God's garden or God's farm. Number six, it is God's suffering body. Number seven, it is God's academy or school. Number eight, it is God's, what? God's big house or palace. So we take the first four, beginning from the first, as God's family. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, we read, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Here is Paul calling Timothy his son. Well, he was not Timothy's biological son, because we've been told that Timothy's father was Greek. The mother and the grandmother are named in the Bible, Lois and Eunice. But in the faith, he's calling him his son. That suggests that when you come to the body of Christ, when you are a member of a church, you are a member of a family, the family of God. And there are some people who, because of their own home, because they've made the transition 
coming from a pagan background or another religion, and they've come to the church. The church is all they have. When we're growing up, we could call people brothers and sisters, uncles and all of that, and people get confused. How can an every man call a Garman uncle? How can a Chinese call an Indian my brother, my sister? It is because of the relationship that we have with Christ. People bought by the blood of Christ. People united through baptism have the same faith, the same Lord, the same, the same aspiration. They are going to heaven. And so Paul describes Timothy as my son, that he has been born by faith into the family of God. What is it that makes us members of the family of God? And let me say that straight away. It is not birth, physical birth. In John 1, 12, we are told he came to his own people, but they did not receive him. But as many as received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, but by the Spirit. Beloved, anybody can become a member of the family of God. Provided you realize that you are a sinner, that Christ came and died for your sin. Christ was crucified. Christ died again. Christ lives for you. And when you ask him for forgiveness, he forgives you. So it's ABC. Accept that you are a sinner. Believe that he died for you. And confess with your lips that, Lord, I am a sinner. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come and live within me. Fill me with your spirit that I will live for you. This simple prayer prayed by faith, makes you a member of the family of God. So, we are begotten by God's Spirit. We are born by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is how we become a member of the family of God. So, Paul can call Timothy, my son. You see the family relationship. And as you read earlier in other parts of Timothy, we see some who are mothers, some who are fathers, some who are brothers, who are younger people. And what do you do? Oh, if you know a family, a family is people who can fight, they can quarrel, they can agree, they can disagree. It is not a funny place at all. Sometimes family meetings are hot because they all see things differently. But they all know they are united by the blood. They are united by their family name. They don't want to disgrace their family name. Their name is precious to them. And so when you are a member of the family of God, take care. You are a Christian, little Christ. You belong to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the first picture that God wants Timothy as their pastor to know, the first picture that he wants anybody in the family to know, is that you are members of a family. Let me ask you, are you a member of the family? In a family, some are rich and some are poor, but what do they do? They are to help each other. In the family, you have toddlers, you have little children. What do they do? We get excited about them and we help them, we welcome them. In the family, there's room for many more. What do you do? You bring them in. They are called the household of God. The local church. It's not just a club of people who come and pay their dues. No. And then, no, when something happens, 
They go and cry for each other. But the family is bonded together. They take care of each other. If that is not what your church is like, seek to make your church like that. If you don't understand church like that, then understand it. If you think the church is a holy club, when you come there, nobody offends each other, then you don't even belong to any family in this world. Because I don't think your family is like that. Mine is not like that. There are times when as husband and wife, you have to sit down and agree to disagree and say, yes, we are still married. We are still covenant, covenant relationship. We are bound to be one another's keeper because until death do part us, we are family, we have children. We must show good example to our loved ones. So that's how Timothy was to teach. That's how he as pastor was to understand. And as they say in Akan, Krobia Mensaum, in church, there are some people in the family who are menses. Or as I tell Calvary and other churches, look, the church is like hospital, God's hospital. When you get to the, when you get to the hospital, you think you are sick. Yes, truly you are sick. That's why I went to the hospital. Hello. You get there and find out that there are people whose problems make yours look like comedies. What do you do? You give them way. You sometimes even help them. Sometimes even pay their hospital bills. That's a church as a family. Welcome to the family of God. But the second picture he gives is that the church is a treasury. The church is a storehouse. The church is a bank. What do you mean? Pastor Fred, where do you find that? 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them to others. Now, this is a newer version. This is New Living Translation. If you read other versions, it says, commit to other people what has been deposited into your hand. This is referring here to the treasure of the gospel, the gospel truth, the truth that we, you and I have been given. is more precious than gold or silver. Paul saw himself as a preacher, and he's telling Timothy, and he's telling those who are preaching and teaching the word of God, that the truth about the word of God is precious. What does he mean? What is the gospel? That Christ came, Christ died, he was buried, he rose again, he lives forever, he's coming again. This is the truth. Nothing can change it. The Christ who said, heaven and earth will pass away by my words will never pass away. He's the one who is coming again. This is treasure. And he says, this truth, has been committed to you, Timothy. Committed to faithful people who also committed to other faithful people. Transmitted. It's like a deposit. What do you do? When you go to a bank, they keep your money and they guard it jealously. When the bank closes or is closed down, oh, some people are in trouble. It's happened in our country. Some people deposited their money somewhere. The bank has been closed or the things are not coming, uh, coming as they expected. They are in trouble. They are in pain. But you see, sometimes we carelessly compromise the word of God. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except by me. 
Do you believe that? So how can you, a very educated person, how can you believe this type of thing? How can you do that? How can you believe that? So, well, uh, uh, the book, the Bible is a very old book and it says it. No, you don't see that as treasure. If you have 5,000 CDs in your bank and somebody asks you, <laughs> how much do you have there? You know you have 5,000. You know you have 100. You know what you have and you keep it. If you want to go and buy something and they say, this is the amount of money you need to withdraw. You go and withdraw it. You carefully manage your amount. So Paul is saying, the truth that has been given to you, you must keep it. This is why Paul calls the look at you, the pillar and the ground of truth. In 1 Timothy 3.15, God has deposited with his people the truth of the word of God. It is our responsibility to guard this truth, to treasure it, and to pass it on to others. The church is to pass it on to others. Parents are to pass it on to children. They are to pass it on. People write wills and they transfer their homes, their treasures to other people. But you know, can you now understand me that the greatest treasure you can leave anybody, your children and your children's children, is the treasure of the word of God that they believe in. Timothy is to deposit this truth with faithful men and women who commit it to other faithful people, not people who do not believe, not unbelievers, not people who laugh at what you are saying. So he's to commit it to faithful people because it is a treasure. You see the word of God as treasure. You see the house of God as the depository of this treasure. So it is painful when people go to church sometimes and they are, they are compromising, they are preaching other people's philosophy, and they are teaching things that do not come from the Bible, and they are quoting from other sources. Who will quote from your Bible? If you don't study it well. And so, just like you guard your treasure very well, even if it's not a bank, there are some people I tell you, if somebody were to give you a million CDs today, some of you will not be able to sleep. Immediately, you keep vigil. Because you think that when they were bringing the money to you, somebody saw it. So they'll come and break your house. So what do you do? You keep alert. You do everything to guard it. Is that how we guard the word of God? Is that how we stay faithful? And so when you can see that your Christian life is going down, your relationship with God is going down. When you can see they have nothing to withdraw. When I say nothing to withdraw, you have no memory verses in your life. You have nothing no, you have no treasure. When you put money in that ATM and say zero, 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 it's like trying to recall a verse in time of trouble. You have nothing. You have nothing. You cannot say even Psalm 23, verse 6, even though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I have no, I mean, <laughs> I will not be ashamed. Hey, you cannot say the Lord is my shepherd. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and the staff, they comfort me. You see, when people have money, when they are rich, sometimes they are bold and confident in their riches, which can be taken away. But when you see yourself as rich in the word of God, as Paul said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. You are rich in the word of God. You don't shout. As they say in Christ, you can't pair off. You don't shout. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the word of God. Satan comes, you remind him. You take the word of God, it's like hammer on his head. It's like fire. But if you have nothing, Empty barrels make the most noise. So you say, what has been committed to you? 
committed to faithful men who committed to other faithful people. The church is God's treasury. And we come to church to learn the word of God. Whatever we do, men's fellowship, women's fellowship, boys, girls, auxiliary, this and that, we are running, we are doing entertainment, we are playing, playing basketball, we are doing treasure hunt. We are doing all of those things to have fellowship. But the crux of it is people who are growing in the image of God, people who are united because they are part of the family and who know the word of God, who are utilizing the word of God. So say, Timothy, look at it. So don't come to church and when they say it's time for Bible studies, it's time for fellowship, it's time to share this. You say, oh, why, why, why are you saying this to me? But if a church were to advertise that everybody who comes to church today, well, bring your friends, they'll give them 500 cities. You will find people to come. But if they say, come, teach the word of God, learn the word of God. So what is all that about? This old book, is that what you are still teaching? Timothy is to see the church as God's bank, as God's treasury. And you, my listening friend, can you see it as God's bank and God's treasury? And what has been committed to you? Be faithful in guarding it, in learning it, in multiplying, in teaching it, and imparting the word with it. Hallelujah. I hope you are learning something. The third picture God gives about the church is the church as God's army or as God's armed forces, or as God's security forces. Recently, I went to the, I mean, barracks. I had passed through three or four of them, and I was surprised to see their variety. When you go to the Air Force, they wear a different uniform. When you go to the Navy, they wear a different uniform. When you go to the armed forces, they wear a different uniform. So when they are talking about armed forces, they are talking about all these different parts of it. Or when you're having a parade, you see the security forces. You see that they're all wearing different, different attires. But not just different attires, but they all have different roles that they play. So when you say Ghana Armed Forces, they're talking about a collection of groups when they talk about the security services. But I said, the church is God's army. The church is God's army. Where do I get that idea from? See that from 2 Timothy 2. Verses 3 and 4. Can, can we read it? Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Hallelujah. You are a soldier of Christ. When God calls you, when Christ calls you, he has enlisted you in his army. Friend, have you thought about that? <laughs> yeah, in the army of Christ. He has enlisted you. Who are you fighting? You are fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. He has equipped you to fight. So in First Timothy, sorry, in, in, in 2 Timothy, he's telling him, see the church as a place where people fight. Oh, not just warfare. In, in Acts 16.3 says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Okay. Timothy was called to service. He was called to service, and there was going to be Jews who would be opposing him 
because he was not circumcised. So what did Paul do? He circumcised him. He was willing to be circumcised. That's the first battle. There are some who are called and they are, they are not willing to leave anything. But you know, when you go and you join the army, when I see them, I mean, I just love them. When they cut somebody's hair and he comes back to the house, you see that, ah, uh ah, -uh, where have you been? Oh, I just went to that school around the shore. So do you go to the army barracks? Yes. Are you a police recruit? Yes. The hair looks different. The attire looks different. It's clean. Shaven. They look different. Their language looks different. In fact, they are not supposed to be eating in public, excuse me to say, by heart, or even take Trotsky. They, they just behave differently because they are military people. Timothy was enlisted, and that enlistment included circumcision. There are some who want to enlist in the church of God. They don't want to compromise anything. You still want to keep that old boyfriend. You still want to keep that old cigarette. You still want to keep that drunkenness. You still want, it's not that you're even fighting. Lord, help me to drop these things. Lord, help me to stop this compromise. Lord, help me to stop this lying. I know the devil is attacking me, but Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, change me. Lord, let me be a soldier. Let me be pr promoted in your army. You don't see it. But just come. You just come there. You are comfortable. Friends, the church has God's army. He wants to train you. He wants to equip you. So when he is fighting a battle, he can trust you. Oh, can you be the one that gives Satan a knock on the head and Satan says, what? Oh, yes. Like Job. So have you seen my servant Job? Say, yeah, go and try him. He will floor you. Satan tried. He floored him. Okay. But there are some of us, the devil doesn't even tempt us. We lie as part of our character. We steal. We cheat. We bribe. We corrupt. There's nothing that shows that we are enlisted in the service of the master. We don't want to endure any hardship. Look at what he says. Endure hardship along with me. Paul said, I am enduring hardship as a good soldier of Christ. So what he's saying that, friends, let me use the adjective. You are enlisted in the army. You are either a good soldier or a bad soldier. Good soldiers get good rewards for their services. They get promoted up to the top and top and top in general. Because there's hard work, they are tests. But bad soldiers remain on the floor. They get passed by. How are you fighting that battle? And remember, the Christian life is not a playground, but it is a battleground. We do not have the strength in ourselves, but the strength is from the Lord. And so we can be told in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to fight against the wiles of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So when you have that picture in your mind, you are part of the family of God. Yes, no doubt about that. The church is a family. The church is a bank. But the church is also an army. So when the army, you are there and somebody is coming to take your family member, your this and that coming to take your sister, your brother, and marry them into some unbelieving thing. Yay! You wage war in the heavenlies before you go and do battle. See, you can't take, you, that cannot happen. You can't take our treasure. You can't change our word of God. Friends, I've been able to do only three. 
by this introduction, the church, the pictures of the church, the church as a family, the church as a bank, the church as security force. Where do you see yourself, pastor? Is that a group of people you are leading to be their coach? Are you able? If not God, who let you lead them? Do you see yourself that when you call yourself apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher, it's not just a title that you are supposed to have, but how you are to equip these people to function as a family, to function as a bank, to function as an armed force, and not just rejoicing in the title. And you, who are a member of the church, when you are being called upon to be trained and equipped to do every good thing, are you willing to give your service or you are just there? Because for me, I'm waiting for the heavenly bus. I challenge you. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and live for him. I challenge you. Think differently about your rule. The Lord is coming soon for his people. Live for him. The Lord bless you. Equip you. And shine through in Jesus' name. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Degbay. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200 181680. God bless you.